This episode of Literary Treks is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for creating a blog, website, portfolio, or an online store. To create your own space, visit squarespace.com and save 10% by using offer code TREK8. And also by TrekFan. It's not just a fan club, it's an adventure. You'll explore new places, learn new things, and collaborate with other fans to solve puzzles, complete real-life mission objectives, and win great prizes. Don't miss out. Help move us toward the Star Trek future by visiting trekfan.org. Plus, if you'd like to support our programming personally, visit trek.fm slash donate to get our new alien badges and art prints, featuring original illustration by Tobu Ushi. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. taking all these books? I thought I'd take some light reading, in case I got bored. Welcome everyone to another episode of Literary Treks, our dedicated Star Trek books and comics show. I'm Christopher Jones, and with me once again, as he is every week, is my esteemed co-host from down there in Texas. It's Matthew Rushing. Hey Matthew, is it as hot in Texas as it is in Tokyo today? Well Chris, um, let's see, let me tell you a little story. Uh, I needed to mow the yard, and so I came home the other day, it was Monday, and uh, it was probably 102 outside. I know it's not going to get any cooler anytime soon, so I just, I decided, okay, I'm going to mow the yard, I'm going to get through it. So I come inside, I get a glass of water, and, and I'm drinking the water. My hand is shaking so bad because I'm so worn out, I had to hold the glass with the other hand <laughs> to keep it from falling. So, yes, it Goodness. is as hot in Texas as you think it is. <laughs> well, you told me about mowing the lawn the other day, and as I told you, just get a goat. Or maybe you should get a targ, or I don't know, what kind of creature would be best for, for eating that grass for you? Well, um, you know, a targ might be nice. Um, I'm always worried, though, that I'm going to lose like a part of my shin, with a targ, they, they, they really like to take off bits of, you know, shins and calves and stuff. They just, they're really bitey animals. Um, goats are okay, <laughs> but I don't know. I was, I was thinking, um, you know, maybe one of those TOS animals, like the dog with the horn, you know, or I don't know, something okay. like that, you know, or, or, you know, those painted llamas from Insurrection. That's oh, what the I painted need. Llamas. Those yeah. might be good. Okay, so just get a bunch of those, throw them out in the front yard. I was going to suggest a horda. You know, if your homeowner's association doesn't mind too much, if your yard is brown, you could just have a horda crawl across it, just burn the grass right up. Yes. Easy maintenance. Yes, I was, you know, whew, I was going to get a horda, but the problem is, is that the acid underneath them, it just, like, I wouldn't have any grass. It would just be dirt. Right. And... Then What's I can't walk on the ground. I mean, I can't walk on the ground either. Those horda, they're just, they're eating up, you know, where I can walk. And it's, That's true. It's Plus messy. you'd have all those giant eggs in the front yard all the time. Yeah, it's it, weird. It could, it could be a mess. It's so okay, weird. So. Yeah. 
I'd go with the llamas. Yeah. Insurrection llamas. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what I'm going to do. Good choice. I'm going to go with the llama. <laughs> okay, um, sounds good. I might have to clean up a little bit, but, you know, that's okay. That sounds good. Well, why don't we go ahead and jump into our news today? We only have two quick stories before we jump into our feature, where we're going to talk about our favorite reference books, as well as some things we'd like to see in the future. A little bit of a change of pace this week. But this first story, you know, we have wondered. We've had Dayton Ward on before. We've had David Mack on before. And we've wondered what's going to happen now that the Vanguard series has come to an end. And, of course, Staten wrote that last little kind of epilogue to the series as a novella. Apparently, there is going to be a new series coming out called Seekers, Star Trek Seekers. And this is going to continue the Vanguard universe a bit with the Constitution class USS Endeavor and then that smaller Archer class USS Sagittarius. Yeah, I think this is really cool. I know so many people, Chris loved the Vanguard series and they really wanted more in that universe and so they are really going to continue this but you know unlike where Vanguard was uh, you know kind of a very long continuous uh, story very much like Deep Space Nine they're going to do this more in in the the genre and kind of frame of how they've been doing the Titan series where the books do connect with each other but it's it's more of a one shot story um, to kind of give you that uh, that original series feel uh, emphasis on exploration and discovery um, and so I, I think that's really exciting for fans of Vanguard to be getting what they wanted which is more stories in this universe in that same part of space but this time doing it just a little bit differently and uh, really celebrating some of those old. Um, those older Star Trek books, you know, those James Blish novelizations. In fact, these aren't even going to have titles. It's just going to be Seekers 1, Seekers 2. Um, so uh, David Mack is going to write um, Seekers 1. And then Dayton Ward and Kevin Dilmore will be writing Seekers 2. Um, and so uh, these will come out next year uh, in August and then September. Um, so it's really cool that they're doing something like this and taking another chance. Yeah, it sounds interesting. And David Mack is going to be focusing on the adventures of the Sagittarius crew. And then Dayton and Kevin are going to be focusing on the Endeavor crew. And apparently, as I understand it, the idea of Seekers kind of originated a couple of years ago with Rob Caswell, who did new covers for those James Blish novels that you mentioned. And I remember seeing in the bookstore for many times over the years, the old James Blish novelizations and those covers, you know, with the big digit in the, in the center. And and uh, he did some new covers and also did some mock-ups of the covers for an imagined TOS series that would be called The Seekers. Right. And our friends over at the Trek Collective have some interviews that they did with Rob Caswell over the past couple of years where they talk about a lot of this, but that seems to be the origin of the Seekers idea. And then David and Dayton and Kevin are picking that up and they're moving forward with it and actually making it a real series. And that's, it's, it's going to be fun to see. And I do like the fact that it's not going to be as much as I like these long drawn out serialized stories. It is fun to have these shorter standalone ones sometimes as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and 
there's there's nothing wrong i think at all with you know having to read each of the books in the series um but i think this will be fun because they're talking about you know they'll they'll be able to do team up novels where they'll have both ships in the same novel and that kind of stuff and you know kind of come together and go back out their separate ways so feeling very much kind of like uh, what a you know a real starfleet would be like you know it's it's not just one ship all the time and uh, you know you would have plenty of times where you'd have to work with another ship and so i don't know i think this is a great idea i i can't wait to to kind of uh, get into it and see what uh, these writers who are all fantastic do with this series so it looks like good stuff to me yeah so the first book is slated for an august release and is that August of this year or August of next that year? That is going to be August of next year. Um, and then it'll be September okay, of um, yeah next year. So, you know, uh, Chris, as we were talking about last week with um, all of the different books that are going to be coming out next year, we already know about with Voyager. Um, you know, this year is ending with the fall. There's some TOS books next year. And now seeing that there's going to be a, a totally new series, yes, set in the TOS universe, but not with you know kirk and that crew so you know pocket really giving us some variety next year very thankful for that yeah that's really really good to see so we'll put a link in the show notes to this over on the trek collective if you want to check it out and while you're there you can find those interviews with rob caswell as well and find out more about uh kind of the origins of this namesake anyway the other item we have today, Matthew, is something that we've talked about on the show in the past, but we finally have cover art now. And this is a very Klingon Christmas. And uh, is that Santa Claus who I see on the cover right there? Oh, yes, it is, Chris. Uh, you know, this <laughs> is, this. I think it's just so funny. It does really look like a Norman Rockwell painting, except that it's a Klingon it does, Santa. Um, and yeah. he... You know, he might see you when you're sleeping and know when you're awake, but I think that bad Klingon children just don't wake up. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. I mean, he's he's got weapons in his exactly. Bag. He's got a bat lift. Yeah. He's got like a mace or something. That or just a bunch of yeah. throwing knives, uh, you know, coming out of that bag. It's crazy. Uh, looks like he has a pet targ, you know, uh, stuffed targ. So I, this is just, you know... Uh, this is silly. This is really funny. I think this will be one of those things that gets thrown into a lot of uh, Star Trek fans' stockings this Christmas. Um, so yeah, if you really want to know what uh, you know, naughty Klingon boys and girls get and what happens to them, or if you just really want that um, the, the idea of the thought of a nice hot cup of mold blood wine, uh, this is going to be the book for you for the holidays. Well, one thing that the synopsis says, and this makes perfect sense to me, that naughty Klingon children get tribbles in their stockings. <laughs> and then and then they get eaten out of house and home. The thing about tribbles is it's the gift that keeps on giving. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> <laughs> you can't stop so them. So <laughs> much for this. You can't stop them. <laughs> The whole house is just overflowing. Oh goodness! By 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 New Year's, really. So, <laughs> all right, we'll put a link in the show notes if you want to check this out and and find out more about it. it does look like a fun little and very silly book 
about Star Trek coming up for the holidays. Well, Matthew, before we jump into the feature, let's tell everyone about our sponsor for this week's show, Squarespace. They're the all-in-one platform that combines hosting and content management to make it simple for you to create your own space online. And that could be a blog, it could be a website, a portfolio, or an online store. I've been a Squarespace user myself for the past six years. I build not only my company's website, but Trek FM is built on Squarespace. I build websites for clients on Squarespace, and my personal blog is there as well. And you know, apart from the simple fact that the tools are really awesome... What I really like about Squarespace is that they are constantly improving their platform. They're adding new features, new designs, and even better support, which is amazing because they have the best support you're going to find anywhere, but they're always striving to improve that. And I love that about them. It's incredibly easy to use, but if you want some help, they're there for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And amazingly, that great support and all these amazing tools starts at just $8 a month. And if you sign up for the annual plan, you can even get a free custom domain name. So it's really an amazing service. And Matthew, why don't you tell everyone about three points about Squarespace that really show why it is the platform to choose when you want to create an online presence? Well, Chris, I think one that's really important to me is that Squarespace is design focused. Um, I don't know about you, but I really hate going to a website that everything is so cluttered. It's hard for me to be able to find anything. It's so overdone that I'm really missing, I think, what the website's meant to do, which is to give me whoever's doing this website their content. And Squarespace really helps you do that. Their their templates are extremely clean, um, and they allow your content to take the focus of the website, which is so important. I mean, you know, if you're writing a blog or you're creating a store and, and showcasing your work art-wise, you really want that to be what stands out, not the website itself. Uh, you, you want it to be easy to navigate and to use, and, and Squarespace does that really well. Uh, and then, of course, if you're creating, say, a blog or some sort of store where you're selling your merchandise or any of those kind of things, you're going to want to be able to connect your site to all the different accounts that are out there, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Instagram, Google, all of these social network sites that really help you to be able to get your content out there. Squarespace makes that easy. You don't have to worry about that. It helps you link to all those accounts and be able to share very quickly what you're doing on your blog right away with your followers. And then for the most important thing, I think now these days, Chris, is that, you know, you have an iPad. I have an iPad. We both have iPhones. We tend to look up websites on those. Nothing is more frustrating than going to a website and having to try and navigate on especially your iPhone uh, or your mobile device and not having the website be responsive to the mobile design, but also have it be a smart mobile design. So it doesn't feel watered down. It just feels like a better, easier to use website on your device. Squarespace does that perfectly and has unique mobile designs so that Every time somebody visits your site from, say, a phone or some sort of iPad or some tablet or something like that, your site automatically scales to look beautiful on every device, which is, you know, really important, again, if you're trying to have your content take first stage. Most definitely. That's been a huge time-saving feature for me because I no longer have to worry about building 
one version for the desktop and one version for mobile. It's a, it's a great feature. And, you know, another great feature that they added recently is the e-commerce feature. So if you want to set up a shop and sell things, you can do that in just a matter of minutes, including the ability to process credit cards online, which is, of course, very important if you want to actually sell something and make it easy on your customers. So that's there now as well. And you can do all of this without any coding knowledge whatsoever. You can create a beautiful website, beautiful blog, beautiful store. You don't need to know how to code anything. But if you do love to code and you want to have complete total control over every little aspect of your website and its code, you can do that too because Squarespace has a fantastic developers platform that you can access. But don't take our word for it. Try this for yourself. We would love for you to go and find out firsthand why I build all my websites on Squarespace and why Trek FM is built there as well. Just go to squarespace.com to start a free 14-day trial. There's no credit card required. Just enter your name and email address. And in a matter of minutes, you'll be building your website. If you already use a platform like WordPress, you can import your website from there. See how it's going to look on Squarespace. See how the Squarespace tools give you everything you need to create an exceptional website or blog. Then when you decide to sign up, and I know you're going to want to, make sure to use our offer code TREK8 to get 10% off your lifetime purchase on new accounts. And as I mentioned at the beginning, if you choose the annual option, you'll also receive a free domain registration. So visit squarespace.com and use offer code TREK8. And we thank Squarespace for their support of Trek FM. And we thank you for supporting Squarespace. And that helps us bring this programming to you every week. Well, today, Chris and I are going to be doing something a little bit different. Uh, we had been thinking about something, what we would bring you. We've done comics. We've done a lot of uh, books. We've uh, talked a little bit sometimes about nonfiction books. And so this week, we're going to be talking about our favorite nonfiction Star Trek books, which, Chris, can you have a nonfiction book that you know has something to do with a fictional universe? Well, I don't know. I mean, we're not talking about a fictional universe here. We're talking about Star Trek, Matthew. It's our future. Oh, yes, yes. It's just the history of the future. I forgot. It My is. bad. Yes, yes, yes. And also, Matthew, joining us today, we have Trek Films feature writer, Philip Gilfus, who is slightly into TNG. And, you know, he might have some notes for us here about any reference books about Admiral Uniform modding as he's an expert on the bad admirals of the next generation. Yes, yeah, so that's bad morals TM, Chris. Um, <laughs> that's right. If you want to collect some uh, latinum for each reference that's made in the future to that. Copyright, Philip, slightly into TNG. That's, that's right. right. That's right. <laughs> and you'll get one shard for each time, one shard of gold press latinum. Oh, each time someone wow. mentions bad morals on Twitter. Goodness, that's we're true. being... Dingy with the Latinum tonight, Chris. Well, that's how it works. You know, that's how sent you a DM works for me on Twitter. I get one shard each time someone says oh, okay. sent you okay. a DM. Mm. Apparently, I haven't sent you enough DMs this year so that you could make it to Star Trek Las Vegas. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, people just, they just kind of stopped announcing that they've sent DMs to people. I don't know why. Hmm. Maybe we're just getting used to the fact that we have DMs. Maybe so. People figured out how to access it. <laughs> The reason we do that exactly. in the first place is because it's so hard on Twitter to find out if you have a DM. That's really, that's very <laughs> true. I don't know why it's so difficult. Well, anyway, this week, um, talking about Chris, uh, I thought it would be fun 
if we kind of picked three Star Trek nonfiction books that we really liked um, and, and kind of just why. And we could talk in a round. And so since we have our guest, Philip, this week, I thought we'd let him go first. Sure. Thanks, Matt. Um, you know, when I was creating my list of reference books, my first one, I suppose, is technically not a book. It is the Star Trek The Next Generation Blueprints by uh, Rick Sternbach. So, I, you know, you, it is in, comes in book form, but you open it and then it's blueprints. So I don't know if that's technically a book, but anyway, I, you know, it's obviously it's blueprints of the Enterprise D um, and it's several, I think off the top of my head, um, five, six or seven just sheets of blueprints, you know, the four section, the aft section, you know, ventral, every, every angle you could possibly look at the, look at the galaxy class ship. And it's just one of those things where you can just take them out and throw them on a table or throw them on the floor and just, you know, get down there and, and go over the blueprints and kind of take, take a mental journey, uh, through the, through the enterprise D right there. It's funny. You mentioned those Philip, because I actually thought about putting those on my list. I had them as well I still do they're rolled up because they've all been laminated and I had them on my wall when I was growing up so I could just like flip through them like a you know big flip chart and uh, Mm -hmm. they really are pretty incredible you know I I thought about trying to build my own but I mean trying to scrap up enough titanium right now I could only build like a four meter cockpit so it's yeah uh, those are really cool, though. Really well done. I, I was I loved when those came out. Now, Philip, do you have these spread out? So, like in your workshop, are you trying to actually recreate a life size replica of the Enterprise D? And what do your neighbors think about that? Well, see, see, I, I got these blueprints in a brief trip I took to the twenty fourth century, and basically, I try to invent something once a year and have oh. it come out and make a little money. I was thinking of ma- making a workshop in New Jersey and maybe uh, uh, inventing from there. So it was just it's just something to play around with, you know, make a little money on the side. So you guys both have these. It's not as easy to pick these up anymore. I do remember when they were in the store. Did you buy them when they were readily available in the bookstore or did you pick them up secondhand somewhere? You know, I actually got them secondhand. I think when they first came out... Um, I, maybe like I would see it in the shop or bookstore and go like, yeah, blueprints, uh, you know, who, I don't know about that. But then I was at my local used bookstore uh, one day and I saw them there and, and I forget how much they were, but you know, it wasn't much. So I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll just get these things. And then, you know, like I said, you, you open them up and, and maybe it just takes a, a person who's, who's just a little bit into the next generation like myself to open up those blueprints. And it's just, you know, falling in love all over again. Cause you know, it's, it's, it's really nothing new for anyone who's, who's watched next generation. And, you know, you know where the phaser array is, you know, where the warp core is, but still just to look at that, you know, up close and personal and try to imagine where the turbo lift goes. And, you know, you can sort of uh trek out there and in the privacy of your own room. Yeah. I think I got them. I think somebody actually gave them to me as a gift, really, um, if I remember correctly. It was a long time ago. But, yeah, I had uh, my mom get them laminated for me um, because, you know, it's so much cooler that way. And then they would never get, you know, bent or, you know, really badly or whatnot. And I I still have them. So it's it's pretty awesome. I, I really do like them. I don't have anywhere to put them right now. But maybe someday, if I have an office or something, I'll I'll have an, a new place to put them. Or, uh, you know, if I have my own garage one day, I'll hang them up out there. 
you know, so I can really start working on my Bassard collectors. I figured I'd going to start easy as I build my <laughs> Galaxy class. Well, you know, that's that's how you go green. You know, instead of a compost pile, yeah. you just put the Bussard collector yeah, out exactly. there. Yeah, and... exactly. Chris, why don't you tell us uh, what uh, your first pick would be for reference book or, you know, autobiography? Which one have you chosen? Oh, autobiography, yeah. I really love the autobiography of Robin Leffler. It's one of my favorite books. I read it every night before bedtime. And No, actually, that Isn't one... Isn't that just Robin Leffler's Laws to Awesome? <laughs> I think it is. Now, I'm going to keep the theme going here with the Star Trek Deep Space Nine technical manual. And Excellent. I really like this one because... Deep Space Nine, it's so large and it has that mishmash of Cardassian technology and Starfleet technology. And then you've got some Bajoran technology there as well. And this book, it does a great job, has beautiful illustrations, beautiful, uh, a lot of three-dimensional cutaways as well, where you can see various parts of the station, as well as information about the various kinds of ships that are unique to Deep Space Nine. And it does a great job of really digging into those and explaining the background and explaining how they work and all in a pretty clear way, in a concise way. It's not a not a super thick book. You know, it's only about 179 pages, I believe, 180 pages, uh, but beautifully done. And, you know, if you're a Niner and you don't have this book, you need to find a way to pick it up. I had to kind of dig around for it when I got mine. I couldn't easily buy one from Amazon or anywhere. So I went and kind of looked for third-party buying options, managed to get my hands on a copy. Now, now is the reason that it's so short, is it just the uh, pages of stuff that Chief O'Brien actually fixed? <laughs> And that, you know, once he fixes the rest of the station, you'll get like the bigger size technical manual. <laughs> Maybe. You know, interestingly, at the end of every paragraph or every section describing technology, they all end the same way. They all say, if all else fails, kick it. <laughs> the, the classic. <laughs> uh, that or tell the computer you're going to have a talk with it when you're done. Because, uh, yeah, I love that book, though, Chris. It's funny that you mentioned that, just having a hard time finding one, because um, about three or four months ago, a friend of mine was just going through their, their old books or whatnot, and they had a few Trek books, and one of them was, was the Deep Space Nine technical manual. And he kept sending me texts like, do you want this book? Yes. Do you want this one? Yes. Do you want this one? He's like, I'm just going to give them all to you. I don't need to text them all to you. <laughs> <laughs> so one of them was the, was the technical manual. And I, I was looking through it. And I was remembering when it had first come out. And it really is a beautiful book. The, the illustrations in there are, are really incredible. And it goes into a lot of detail about yeah. um, how things work on Deep Space Nine, which I thought was really cool. Because of the fact is it. Like you said, it's it's not all Starfleet. It's it's mostly Cardassian with a bunch of other stuff kind of thrown into the mix, and you have this nice melting pot. And figuring out how it all works together was, was is a lot of fun. Yeah, it's definitely a great book, and that's also Rick Sternbach keeping the theme going here, along with Doug Drexler and Herman Zimmerman, who put this book together. Now, is there a, an appendix about how to get rid of Cardassian voles? sort of pest control uh, suggestions. Um, I think there might be, including also a guidelines and rules 
about holding vole fighting championships. I think those are written by Quark. Um, and if you look closely, there's Quark's Guide to Women, <laughs> Dabo Girls at the end as well. So it's it's really, I mean, it's a, an informative read. That's right. Um, you know, if you want to know how to live on Deep Space Nine, this is the book. That's right. It's the only Star Trek reference book I've ever seen that actually has a centerfold pullout. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's not a starship or something like that. It's just Lita the Dabo Girl. <laughs> It's like a complimentary uh, Dabo yeah. chip. <laughs> so what about you, Matthew? What's first on your list? You know, um, mine is actually, uh, and we've talked a little bit about this before, but the Deep Space Nine companion. Yeah. And I don't think that there is a better um, reference book out there for the show, for one of the shows. Definitely not. Um, you know, just them being able to write while being on set, um, all the interviews that they got with the writers, the actors, is just incredible. The in-depth look at each episode and the background to each episode, the the different versions of each episode that they had worked through, and and I mean, there's so much information in there. I mean, if you read from cover to cover this book, which is a big book, I mean, you will know pretty much everything there is to know about Deep Space Nine. And, yeah, this book is, uh, you said it's a big book. This book is like 715, 718 pages. It's a huge book. Yeah, it really is. Um, and the uh, it's, it's very, very well done. Uh, it lays out each season for you. Each uh, episode then is given a full treatment, not just a, a, a rehash of what happened in the episode, but then a very long bit at the end about... Everything that went into making that episode, all the background information for making that episode, ideas they had had for things they didn't do in the episode, um, commentary by the writers, the directors, uh, the actors about that episode. I mean, it is so in-depth. Um, you know, if you love Star Trek in general, you're a Deep Space Nine fan, or you're just wanting to know more about DS9, this really is the place to go. If you, you don't have this... I would say you need to get this as a fan because it's just fantastic. Yeah, this is probably my favorite of all the Star Trek reference books because of all the reasons that you just outlined. And they give a really nice season overview as well at the beginning of each season. And, you know, the Next Generation companion that Larry wrote is great as well. And it gives has a lot of the same feel as this. But what Terry Erdman was able to do here with this book goes into such greater depth than what Larry was even able to do with the TNG book. And it's to a level that has never been reached again, I think, in any Star Trek reference material. And this is a book that if you are a DS9 fan and you don't have this book, as soon as the show is over, you need to go find a copy somehow and get this book because um, it's incredible. Now, a lot of the book as is the case with Larry's book, has been transcribed on Memory Alpha. But there's still more stuff in here, I believe, that you can find that, that's not on there. And it's a lot more fun and more interesting for me to read it directly from Terry than fans who have transcribed everything onto those black web pages of Memory Alpha that are really difficult to read <laughs> well, in the first the, place. The, 
you can just tell the love that they that he has for Deep Space Nine, yeah. um, and you can you can see the benefit of having the kind of access that they gave him. It uh, it really just I think shows. Um, I don't know. It, I feel like it's one of those things that shows just how much the studio wasn't involved with Deep Space right, Nine. Yeah. That they just let you know somebody riding the companion be just there, be there, you know, yeah. for so long. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, and uh, I'm so thankful for it because it. I I wish that all the other companions were like this. Larry's is the closest. Um, you know, Larry had a lot of access, not quite as much. Um, and and then of course the Voyager Companion is just ridiculous. The Voyager Companion is is a useless book. I'm sorry to say. Yes, it really yeah. is. In fact, I think I sold mine to a used bookstore because I was like, I never use this. I never pull it out. I mean, if I want you know an episode blurb, I will just go to Memory Alpha. That's the problem. And it will do yeah. a much better job. Yeah, so. I have it over there on the shelf. You know, I keep it because I want to have all the books on hand. But I never pull it out because. <laughs> like when you're researching a DS9 episode, you can use this book and there are like two whole pages of of full, you know, like letter size pages. Right, exactly. Of information, background information. Whereas the Voyager book, every episode, it's just a synopsis of what happened on the screen, which you already know. And then there might be two sentences per episode at the end with some little factoid. And usually the factoid is also something that you already know. Because it's just something from the episode, like discovered Herogen communications network. Okay, well, I know that it happened in the episode. That's, <laughs> that's <laughs> and you just told me in the you know the nice recap that you gave me. Yeah, and that's not it's not anything yeah. against Paul Ruditus writing the book. I don't mean to be harsh on him. I think that it signifies that it signifies the decline of Star Trek reference books that. By the time they got to the end of Voyager and they were putting that book together, it was almost like they just felt like we need to put a book out because TNG had one and DS9 had one. But we're really not interested in spending the money and putting the time into actually doing the kind of books that we did in the past. And that's why we got that kind of book. It was just like, let's just put some episode synopses out and and we'll be done. So, so Chris, you're just saying that the book itself reflects the show that it's based off of. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying oh, that. Matthew. I'm telling Shar. <laughs> I'm telling Shar. I'm just, I'm just saying. It just seems like there's some kind of correlation. Uh, it, it, anyway, hey Philip, what's your second book before I get myself in <laughs> deep waters with Shar? Well, y- y- well, I'm just gonna go ahead and say to the to journey, totally the journey. I've, I've done we my love you, Shar. There. I'm, and Larry. Tristan and, and Shar and Lori, yes. All right. Well, I, I feel like, you know, if there were, is, was a baseball team, I would see you two wearing the sort of DS9ers baseball cap, and I'd be wearing my TNG one because, Chris, going off your first pick, my second pick is the Star Trek Next Generation Technical <laughs> Manual. Um, yes, you, you already talked about the DS9 one. I guess with, with the, um, the Next Generation Technical Manual, I mean, like, I think I really remember when this first came out, and, and I looked it up, it came out in 1991. And I can remember, I think my uh, a friend in school, which I would have been, I don't know what grade, probably, I um, can't do math in my head, but we'll just say middle school, um, may have been high school. Um, but, you, you know, I remember seeing th- this book for the first time, and, and I probably had only just started watching Next Gen maybe for maybe one or two years at that point, maybe three years. And so this is sort of the first time for me of getting really into, like, how does warp speed work? You know, how does photon torpedoes work? And... And maybe this is just me, but I almost feel like this was the first time 
that a lot of these concepts were really explained. And this was um, Rick Sternbach again and Michael Akuda uh, who did this one. Um, but, but you know, all this stuff, I, you know, they'd shown some on screen. I mean, by 91, that would have been, oh, Lordy, doing math in my head, fourth season, fourth season, fourth season fifth season. Um, but, you know, a lot of the stuff really hadn't been talked about necessarily. Um, about you know how this the ship works, you know the saucer separation, the you know each each room, how does a transporter really work? How does you know? And so I, I really th- thought it really went in depth. So you know, for me, you know, you have the blueprints; they're nice and big. But if if you want something a little bit smaller, a little bit more of a handy reference guide, and something that really explains and gets in depth, the, the next generation technical manual is the way to go. That really is a good one too. Um, it's uh, it's one of those books. I think it was the f- the first uh, next generation manual like that, really giving you an inside look at the Enterprise D, which was really cool, especially back in in that day. You know, something that I wanted to know more about, and so being able to pop that open, you know, um, it's no Mister Scott's Guide to the Enterprise, um, <laughs> but it's still pretty good. Yeah, well, if they had come out with a little Forge's Guide to the Enterprise, yes, then maybe. Yes, there we go. But, uh, it, yeah. Well, I think that book also was kind of on the leading edge of the that golden age of Star Trek. And we got so many books after that. And the the, the timing of that book was at the point where... Cause I, I just feel like, you know, this was really before glossy photos. And so it's really just you yeah. know, black and white you know, text pictures, but I mean, back then that was cool. You know, that was, that was all you needed. I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Chris, what would be uh, your second pick? Okay. For my second pick, I actually pulled this one off my shelf here. This is a, it's a nice book, although it's a little bit, it only gets you so far these days, but it is the Star Trek chronology, the history of the future. This is Mike and Denise's book where they, go through and they attempt to put all the events of Star Trek going, I believe, all the way back to five billion years ago, the star that would one day be known as Sol began to condense out of nebular material, forming the sun and our solar system. And then they go from there, the rise of That's dedication right mankind. there. And they jump through, you know, the first couple of pages take you from five billion years ago to 500,000 years ago, to 10,000 years ago. Um, And then they start to get more into the Star Trek thing. But it's it's only of limited use to us today because it only runs through season two of Voyager. Unfortunately, this book was put together in 1996. And it would be lovely if they would update it at some point to get us all the way through to the end of Enterprise. But uh, who knows, maybe they can incorporate some of the literary universe as well for us too. That would be nice and and get us through all the novels that have continued the stories. But at least if you want to try to watch Star Trek in order of how the events fall on the Star Trek timeline, which means you have to mix the different series together as you get into TNG, DS9, Voyager. This book is very useful because the way that they have laid everything out here is they go episode by episode, but they mix the series so that it all falls chronologically within the Star Trek universe. 
So uh, it's a nice little handy book to have on hand. And I think one that maybe a lot of people don't really think about as they're usually thinking about the bigger reference books, the companions and the technical manuals. Definitely really handy, Chris, too, when you're, uh, if you're trying to do that kind of rewatch with uh, the next generation, right, exactly. Deep Space Nine and Voyager and, and how they all mix together. Um, and so I think that's a, that's actually really helpful, even though it only goes through the second season of Voyager, it's helpful specifically for, you know, that time period when all those theories were kind of running together there. Yeah, that's the time that had the most overlap is covered fairly well right. here. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I think the the challenge of that book, I, I wrote that down sort of in a different list I had of, of, of reference books. Um, and I, sort of the challenge of that one is, you know, once you write that, it has a shelf life of, you know, yeah. X time. Because, you know, with the technical manuals, you know, you can probably hit 80, 90%. Maybe they'll say something on the show, but, you know, otherwise. But, you know, that with the chronology and the timeline, you know, once they start adding more, it's, it's, it's definitely like this is the timeline as of, you know, that time period. Though I do have a question for you, Chris, when you're first uh, going through those pages to those early events, do you hear some music in the background? It's been a long time. (laughs) As you flip through the different events, as as the ships get more advanced and more advanced. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. And then when when they finally get into the real meat of Star Trek that I hear, Mm -hmm. faith of the heart. Yeah. <laughs> and then I close oh, the book and I, I'm like the wow. typical Star Trek fan. I, say, I can't read anymore. The music in my head, I just can't take it. No. <laughs> well, you know what, I, what I hated about the update of that book, they had the more jazzy version with the book and it just wasn't. I know. I had to, I had I just, to flip you know, the pages more quickly in the updated version in order to keep up with the music. <laughs> I had to go in time. No, seriously, Philip. I, I actually, now, where my heart will take me, it's not a song that I want to throw into iTunes or Spotify and actually just listen to the song along with the rest of mm-hmm. my music. But I actually do like the song as the theme to Enterprise. I think that it captures the spirit of that show very, very well. And for fans who don't like it, not, I tell them, turn the volume down until the song ends. because. Or, you know, there's this wonderful thing. It's <laughs> called a remote. And you just hit the button right. to go to next. And it goes to the next chapter. You don't even have to watch the song. Just saying. Well, I mean, you know, for, for you, for your DS9ers, I mean, there was, I think, probably a, a somewhat of a stink when DS9 started. They're like, you know, where's the space, the final frontier? And what's this? I mean, you know, <laughs> instrumental There's music always for gonna half be an a hour. Stink. You know? When the next so. series comes out, people are going to complain about the theme music, I, I guarantee you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe the, maybe the next theme, though, will be Sabotage by the beastie boys and i won't complain about that so i'm just saying maybe so oh i thought you meant people uh, the uh people would throw their oh. wooden shoes into the yes. gears oh no they're sabots no. known as sabots uh, yeah sabotage uh, no i wasn't going back that far so you know sabotage <laughs> that word when kim cattrall says it it just has some spice to it doesn't it i think everything kim Cattrall does has spice to it chris <laughs> i think that's why she was on sex in the city that's right so, Matthew, what, what's next on your list here? Well, you know, I'm going to go a completely different way, and I'm, it's a combo, really. It's it's Star Trek Memories and Star Trek Movie Memories oh, yeah. by William Shatner. Those are good. Um, I think that they're excellent nonfiction books. I mean, if you really want 
a behind-the-scenes look of what it was like to work on those early days of Star Trek and then, of course, to be working in the movies. Uh, Shatner actually does a fantastic job of doing that. Um, He's pretty even-handed, as you read through as well. Uh, And he's also very complimentary to those that he worked with. Yes, yeah. Uh, I I say whatever he was like, uh, I guess, to work with in person, the way he is toward his co-stars in print and even in public is is actually pretty classy and so uh, i really do like the way that 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 he portrays everyday life working on the set of a you know a low budget sci-fi tv show in the 60s um and and then watching that take off and then of course talking about making all the films as well they're just really well written books and really enjoyable very much i've been through these books many many times and I have to ask you, have you only read the print version or do you have the audio version? I don't have the audio okay, version. You, I've never heard. You have to the get audio the audio version. version because they're both read by William Shatner. Oh, and uh, yeah. That would as be good. good as the print versions are, actually hearing it in his own voice with his own flair really enhances that already great material. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing I remember about those books, and maybe this is just my personal memory, I mean, reading those books is sort of when I was first getting into Star Trek. And, you know, I, I think my evolution was, you know, I think I saw the original movies, then I saw um, like an episode two of TOS, and then I finally started watching Next Generation. But reading those books for the first time kind of caught me up, because I really hadn't seen that much of the original series, but caught me up on kind of what Star Trek was, both the uh, the movie memories and, and the TV memories. Uh, book. So, I mean, I think, you know, if, if you've never read them, I, they're certainly a must read. And, and like you said, it really does take you back. Uh, you know, there's certainly a lot of books from that original series cast, you know, each, each, I think each, each member has a book now, but um, I think that really does like, if, if you're, I don't know if people listening to this, to this maybe, or, you know, haven't seen all of, of the original series, but if you haven't, it's, it's a great gateway uh, book to kind of give more information about what was going on and, and what it was like working on those, the series and then the movie. Uh, original movies most definitely well philip uh for your uh third and final pick um what would that be it is not a next generation no (gasps) but but next generation isn't it (laughs) um this is going to be old school i suppose but the star trek encyclopedia nice Um, yeah yeah which 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 was um i was trying to look up because i i vividly remember having the first Star Trek encyclopedia and then them coming out with the new version that I was like, Oh, I need to buy it. I need to buy it. And it took me forever to buy the new one and then get rid of the old one. But, um, the newest one, quote unquote, newest one came out in 1999 and it was by, uh, Michael Okuda. But I mean, you know, to this day, I, you know, there's memory alpha course and there's Wikipedia, but I, I go to that encyclopedia first. Um, if I'm really looking for something up, maybe it's just my, you know, old fogey ways, preferring paper to, 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 to the website, but you know, it's, it's great. Um, I'd say 90, 90 to 95% of the time, whatever I'm looking for, I'll find in there. Um, and you know, if, you know, it's enterprise and, and certainly JJ stuff's not in there, but I think it went through the, uh, this is off the top of my head. I think it went through midway, mid to late Voyager. Um, well, it was 1999. So, um, but, but I, it's, it's a great resource, lots of photos because the way they did the update, was um, sort of the the information they updated, they kind of put in a supplemental section. So, you know, if you can't find yeah. it in that front part, you have to look in the back part. Do you yeah. like that? Because 
I don't like the way that they did that in the updated version. I find, I think they should have mixed it all in with the rest of the book because I'll go to the main section and I'll be looking for something and I won't find it. And I'll go, okay, well, it's not there. And then I'll think, oh, wait a minute. There's that supplemental at the back. Let me go look there. And then I'll look there and then it will be there. Well, well, it's irritating, but but having, you know, being a TNG or I know if you can't find it in the captain's log, you look in the captain's log supplemental. <laughs> so, you know, that's really just the way to divide okay. things out. This book for me, like you said, I mean, it's a great book. It's probably the, the most classic book when people think of Star Trek reference books. And what I was really disappointed in 2011 when the Kindle edition came out because it was the perfect opportunity for them to update this book, which is like like the chronology that I mentioned before, is severely lacking in information from the later parts of the television franchise. And unfortunately, they didn't do any updating. And so I bought it on Kindle because I like to have a digital version and I want to support also the fact that they're putting it out. But I think they missed a really, really big opportunity there to update this book. Chris, I'm with you there. I, I think um, with the end of the Prime Universe, it was the perfect time yeah. to go in and, and completely update the encyclopedia, especially just the Kindle version. Just the Kindle version, right. You don't need to print a new version, but right. at least update right. the Kindle. Um, so, yeah. yeah, give fans the entire Prime Universe in one place. I mean, I know we have Memory Alpha, but I would have bought the book if they had done the update. But, uh, you know, I... I was not going to, you know, purchase something that just wasn't updated, um, and I'm I'm just I'm disappointed that they didn't. That that would, you know, we'll talk about in a, in a few minutes what we'd like to see. I think we could both agree we would like to see them do an updated Star Trek encyclopedia. Yeah, I, I yeah. think maybe there's hope for that now that more and more reference books are coming out. People are buying them. It feels like there's a renaissance of this nonfiction, as we talked about at the beginning of the Star Trek universe. So maybe now they're a little bit more willing to spend the resources, to spend the financial resources that are necessary in order to update it, because it would be a huge, huge task. And in a way, I can understand why they didn't update it. But, you know, I, th I think Mike and Anise would be game for doing it if the studio wanted to pay them the money to actually do the work. And so hopefully we'll get one because at some point we really, really need one. It's, it's a shame that this franchise just kind of falls off the map about two thirds of the way through three quarters of the way through the way that it does. Yeah. And, and like you said, Chris, there's, there's definite a definite renaissance going on. Cause I, I feel kind of bad because I think, um, all the books on my list are probably out of print. You can probably only find it on eBay or Amazon. But you know, yeah. But 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 I, I you know, having been to the bookstore recently, there's there's a well, I say a bunch, two to three, um, good reference books just yeah. coming out. Um, I don't have my note in front of me, but there's a new, um, I think I think it's a Michael Kuda book, a new uh, Enterprise yeah. D book. That's Michael um, book. Where it's you know, it's yeah. a it's a book. Yeah, and then, and then a DVD or a DVD yeah. uh, CD comes with it, so you can actually do it on your computer. So I mean, there's stuff still coming out, thankfully. So, like you said, I, I hope I hope this is kind of uh, you know uh, allows them to update the information because you know I want that 
prime universe encyclopedia, you know, in, in hardback form so I can pull it out and, you know, yell at that person who's only seen the JJ movie. This is what you're missing. This is what you're throw missing. Throw it at them and it knocks them to the floor. <laughs> There's more than four hours of content in Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> Vulcan lasted past the 23rd century. Are you, are you are you the guy who holds up the you know the encyclo or the JJ movie in the in the you know Walmart or whatever and it's a fake. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, it's, it's better than the guy who's like uh, I don't want to spoil it for you, but the uh, the villain is come. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sp- yeah. Speaking of that, I had to write last night a review of Star Trek Into Darkness for a magazine here in Japan, and in the review, I'm not allowed to reveal, of course, that John Harrison is kind. So it was really interesting writing a 450 word capsule review of this movie, trying to be balanced and being unable to mention anything about the fact that Harrison is kind. So there I am. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Chris, uh, what would be your final choice here uh, in this uh, really good list? I think so far. Okay. Well, I'm going, my, my actual third choice was the deep space Nine companion, not third in order of preference, but just the third book, you know, on my list that I didn't mention yet. But since you did that, I'm going to throw one more out here. As we are literary treks, I think we should mention the reference book that's called Star Trek Voyages of Imagination, the Star Trek Fiction Companion. And this is sort of like a combination Star Trek encyclopedia and uh, maybe more like Voyager Companion style because it's just kind of giving you more of summaries. But it takes you through... All of the, of course, not all, because the the very most recent stuff isn't in here, but it takes you through a majority of the Star Trek fiction that's been written over the years. You know, it goes back to all of the numbered novels. It even has the James Blish novels where he was doing the novelizations of the TV episodes. Uh, It goes through all the TNG, numbered and unnumbered, DS9 numbered and unnumbered, up to a point, of course, again, not the most recent stuff. Uh, it even has the Enterprise novels in here, which is, it's doing better than the Star Trek Encyclopedia is doing with the television series at that point. But it's it's an interesting book that gives you some background of the novels. And for a lot of the novels, it gives you a good little summary of what happens in the book. So if you've, if you've had that mission in mind where you're going to go and you're going to read every Star Trek novel ever written and you get started and you realize that, you know, this is kind of impossible because I actually have a life where I have to, you know, work and buy food and do stuff like that. And you want to just get a quick glance at some of those older number novels. This is a good way for you to jump in and find out what happened in the literary universe long ago. Yeah, uh, just just a note for some listeners. Uh, before 1999, um, Star Trek fans did not have a life. But <laughs> when William Shatner told us to get a life, then every Trek fan past then has has had a life. Okay. And so you probably don't have as much time to enjoy everything. Thanks to Shatner. Well, and what was really cool about that book, too, is that the, in the back, it gave you a chronology of the books as well, which was really helpful that was probably my favorite part of that book was having that. And so I really wish that was something that they had updated and continued, especially as the books have become more and more 
um, built upon each other. It's a really helpful if you're trying to read them in, in order, and a lot of the books these days need to be read in order. It was really helpful to have that. Right. And it follows, that chronology follows very closely to what Mike and Denise did in the Star Trek chronology. You know, it starts with 5 billion years ago with Greg Cox's Q Continuum, Q Space, 4 billion years ago, 3.5 billion years ago with the novelization of All Good Things. You know, it moves forward like that. Yeah, really well done. So, Matthew, what is the last item on your list of existing books here? You know, Chris, I, I decided to pick something that was rather new, and I really liked the visual dictionary that came out. I was very pleased that DK finally, you know, gave Star Trek some love, the kind of love that it needed for a while. I mean, you, you go into uh, any kid's department of, like, say, a Barnes & Noble, and there's a bunch of visual dictionary guides for Star Wars, but Star Trek just has not gotten the love until this uh, last year, and... Um, I was so thankful when this came out. I thought it was really well done. Um, it, it's really well put together. Um, the picture work in it is mostly beautiful. I mean, there's still some lower quality pictures, but they usually come from the older series, and there's not a lot they can do about that. Um, and so, but just seeing the props up close like that, uh, and and a lot of the you can you know see the the different um, things that they would insert on the props or the the markings that they had put on there that you wouldn't have been able to see except for now you know in in HD um, it's just a great book it's a great way to get people interested in Star Trek I think especially as Philip was talking about those fans who maybe are just getting into it because of the JJ verse it's it's fantastic for that so I really think that this was a a great book hope to see more of these kind of things. Uh, for people, because even as a, you know, hardcore fan, I've been watching it for, you know, so many years. I love this book. I think it's fantastic. My only complaint about that book really is that it's not long enough. Like, I, you know, they, they yes, had to I, cherry pick the content that went in there. And so it's not definitive by any stretch of the imagination. But the stuff that they put in there, like you say, is very beautiful. It's very interesting. And, and I also love seeing those props up close. Is there like an Oxford version of the uh, dictionary that's like, you know, 10,000 pages long that you can go to a library? Yeah, and it's only in the library. You're only allowed to look at it for 10 minutes because other people need to see it. Uh, yeah, they keep it on a big pedestal. Put gloves yeah. on. And you can't take it home. It, no. Now, is the librarian named Mr. Atos? He is, actually, yes. There's one at every library. Mr. A to Z. <laughs> Well, uh, last thing that I wanted to just kind of talk about, maybe just what is, um, you know, with the resurgent we've talked about of, of having some more nonfiction books for Star Trek. Um, and we already talked about maybe having an updated version of the encyclopedia, which I think most fans would be very pleased about. What might be a, a book that you would want to see um, come out in the next few years in this resurgence? Philip? Yeah, I think, and maybe it just depends on, on how you appreciate Star Trek and maybe what kind of fandom you have. But, but one thing I've always liked about, you know, Star Trek, all the series and is, and, and the way I kind of enjoyed in my mind is sort of like, you know, what would it be like to sort of be in Starfleet, to be on the starship, to be on the space station? And so, and maybe this is sort of just me, but I would love there, love for there to be a more like a, a Starfleet Academy textbook or maybe some kind of like, Starfleet Captain's Guide, 
you know, sort of like a, not a regulation book because, you know, regulation books can be boring, but, but just something that sort of like makes this universe more real. And you can kind of pick a book up and, and look through it and be like, you know, this is what, you know, a Starfleet captain or, or, or a Starfleet cadet, you know, would have to know, um, to, to get, you know, and maybe the, again, this is just me, but maybe like a, the Academy textbook, you know, some basic warp theory, um, you know, some Kobayashi Maru tips, um, <laughs> and just things like that that kind of, you know, eat an apple and while you're sitting there in the chair, apparently, but, but just kind of to really make you feel like you're in the universe. Like this would be a book that you could really find there in, in our future there in, in the Star Trek future. So that's, that's, I don't know, you know, like I said, like either a, an Academy textbook or just a, a guide for Starfleet captains that they look at, you know, when, when they don't know how to violate the prime directive exactly, but they need to know how, need to know how they can pull that out and look at it. So just something like that. So tips on violating the prime directive. Well, you, they all do it. <laughs> so, but you know, it, it's, you know, how to explain that it's not really the prime directive. You know, it's, 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 I uh, have to save this society to think for themselves or there's a call for help or we're locked in the Delta quadrant. You know, there's a bunch of excuses. <laughs> it's like a magic eight ball. Well, for me, it's good. the first book is going to be one that we talked about on the Ready Room this past week, and that's A Q's Guide to Romance. <laughs> I think you'll really... <laughs> All about how to woo Kathy. Yeah, how to woo Kathy. Yeah. How to dodge the monkey. Yeah. Now, I've already written the Data and Geordi <laughs> love right. advice one, so you want a Q one? Yes. So It'll be a whole okay. series. We're just going alphabetically. Exactly. So I okay. think that'd be a good one. All right. Um, Another one I'd like to see, of course, would be Kirk's favorite pickup lines. I think that would be a nice one to have. Well, they do there have, is a Kirk's, yeah, Kirk's, there's a Kirk's Guide, guide to Women. women. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have that's it. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So that's covered already, I guess. I think they need to update it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is. Yeah, it it needs is. To be if updated. you haven't been reading it, Chris, I mean, oh, goodness. It needs to be updated to include all of Chris Pine's Kirk's favorite pickup lines that's as well. True. That's, that's true. That's what we need. How to get to Cadians, but on a serious you know, yeah. note, apart from updating the encyclopedia, which I definitely want to see, I would really like to see, and I know we'll never get this, but I would like to see a proper enterprise companion that provides the kind of background information that the Deep Space Nine companion provides. Now, why do I need an enterprise companion when I can just listen to Warp 5 <laughs> podcast and listen to Kate and Chris explain everything I need to know about enterprise? That's true. I mean, you're already having Brandon Braga on, you know, and <laughs> Dave Rossi. I and mean, Drexler, Drexler, yeah. Drexler. Yeah, I mean, just just name dropping all over the place on that podcast over there. <laughs> but I would love to see a book like that. I would also love to see the Voyager Companion updated to be in line with the TNG and DS9 Companion. But again, I know that we'll never see that either. So those are my my um, dreams of the future that will never be fulfilled. <laughs> You know, I was thinking about this today, and I was having a hard time, you know, because I already knew we were going to talk about the encyclopedia, and that's really what I'd like to see. Um, I'd just like them to surprise me, I think, with something really cool, like an awesome retrospective of, like, Star Trek art, you know, like the art of Star Trek from the very first series all the way to J.J., and just a huge, awesome coffee table book. I think that would be something just be fantastic 
Um, because there's so much creativity that goes into these shows, um, from the original series all the way to the JJ verse. Um, you know, even Trek Corps and, and some of those other places have been putting on pictures of, of the behind the scenes work on, on Into Darkness. And you see all these things that have never made it on screen and aren't going to make it on screen. And, and yet they're still fascinating. And, and so, uh, that happened through all of Star Trek. And I just love to see something like that, I think really exploring just um, the things that you've only seen glimpses of um, and at the same time um, really getting to celebrate the people who worked on Star Trek for so many years and a lot of their work just kind of sits on a cutting room floor because it's it's never been used. Well, I, I mean, I think we can be hopeful um, that with the 50th anniversary, you know, on the horizon there that maybe they're sort of brainstorming right now and perhaps listening to this very podcast. And maybe coming up with with um you know some some a lot of retrospective stuff about the entire franchise and and you know what it all means and and how to how to you know really promote that during the fiftieth anniversary. Yeah, that would that would be very cool. That's again the reason that I buy the DVDs and the reason that I'm now buying the Blu-rays, even though I have all the DVDs, and even the reason why I buy these special sets, you know, like the Star Trek Origins Blu-ray that's coming out or the fan collective DVDs that had commentaries with creatives on some episodes that weren't available elsewhere. It's all because I'm really interested in that creative background. I mean, I'm a designer, I'm a creative myself, and uh, I love hearing all that stuff. So anything they can do, I agree with you, Matthew, to give us more of that information and and go back as far as you can, you know, go back to TOS, go back to TNG and tell us everything you can possibly tell us about what went on in the creation of Star Trek. I, I would buy pretty much anything that they published in that vein. And everyone should always go back to TNG. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks guys for uh, for that. I think, um, you know, just getting to talk about um, some things we haven't talked a lot about has, has been a lot of fun, and hopefully the listeners will feel the same way. But, uh, Philip, we really appreciate you joining us tonight. Um, tell everybody where they can find you. Well, first, I mean, I want to thank you all for letting me be on Literary Treks. You know, I've I've been on the ready room. Now I'm on Literary Treks. I believe if I get on one more Trek FM podcast, I get a free trip to a hollow suite. I believe I believe that's how it works, but um, I'm uh, mostly on Twitter. Um, my uh, name is uh, NC Public Servant, like North Carolina NC Public Servant, and I tweet about all things Trek. You can my tweets about my TNG rewatch or Trek in general and politics and government and all those wonderful things. Excellent, and of course, people can read your Star Trek feature articles on the Trek FM website as well, and we have some of them coming out now in audio form as well as part of the Captain's Log podcast. Great. Well, thanks again, Philip, for joining us today. Thank you. Well, Matthew, that was very interesting talking to you and Philip about those reference books. I'm glad we had Philip on because we got that TNG flair that we may not have gotten quite as much if it was just the two of us. But, you know, this isn't the only thing that we've been talking about on the network this week. So here's a look at some other things that you may have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.fm, the orb, the Dominion Wall. I think where we're left is that this helps move forward the character stories that Michael Pillar talked about in that second season. 
that he wanted to do character-driven stories, and this war arc really helps do that. The Ready Room. The Cue and the Grey. Well, there's there's kind of two sides to his guide to romance, though, because while we do see his uh, futile attempts with Catherine Janeway, there's also the interaction he has with the female Q, which I found be much more interesting. Decade. STO Foundry, Alpha Flight. It's quite light. The main thing is you get to fly around, test your flying skills, and test your ability to withstand Hold combat. I think we failed in that sort of <laughs> But let's just ignore that. To the journey! Life on Voyager. Well, I'm just saying Whoa. there was a certain, you know, there was a time period when the Doctor was, you know, like a Ken doll. So that's all I'm saying. I would not <laughs> be a Ken doll. Let's put okay. it that way. Commentary, Trek stars. A stir of echoes. And it's almost like, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like the way Unbreakable is structured, where he completes his arc and there's still this thing left over. Warp 5. Inside Phlox's sickbay. Once Porthos had been Im- immersed in that uh, broth, it almost became like a master stock. Trek news and views. Trip Tucker. Some of those people are going to be like Trip. Some of those people are going to be completely driven by and influenced by that childlike sense of, I just want to see what's out there. Literary Treks. Rise of the Federation, a choice of futures. Watching the, you know, combined Starfleet with the Andorians, the Tellarites, the Vulcans who have mothballed their Starfleet, and the humans, putting that all together, it was really interesting. How do we decide what we're going to be? How are we going to display ourselves to the rest of the galaxy? And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out those shows. We have new Star Trek talk for you every day of the week. Some days we even have two shows for you, and you'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Windows, Phone, Zoom, Xbox, pretty much everywhere you can think of to find us. We're there. You can even stream from the website or download files directly from there. So just go over to trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory, and you'll get all the links. And Matthew, let's tell everyone where to contact us if they'd like to do that. If you'd like to share your thoughts on any of the books that we talked about today, you can do that over at trek.film slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send to a show and choose Literary Treks, and that will come to Matthew and myself by email. If you'd like to send us a voicemail, it's very easy to do that as well. Look on any page on the website. You'll see a tab down the right-hand side. Click on that. A box will appear, and you can use your webcam's microphone to record a message for us and upload it to us as an MP3 file right there from the website. If you'd like to join in a bigger conversation with other listeners, go to trek.fm slash forums. You'll find a section there for books, for comics, for literary treks, and you can join in to the bigger chat. Again, that's at trek.fm slash forums. If you're on Facebook, you'll find us at facebook.com slash trek.fm. And of course, you'll always find us tweeting away about Star Trek on Twitter under username trek.fm. Now, Matthew, if people would like to find you personally, where should they go? Well, if you'd like to do that, you can find me on Twitter at mattrushing02. Um, I am also with you, Chris, on the orb where we talk about Deep Space Nine. So if you enjoyed our talk, where we were just kind of gushing over the companion. Join us on the orb where we talk Deep Space Nine all the time. And then, of course, um, you can find me on my own personal blog at 42lifeinbetween.wordpress.com. Chris, now, when you're not being a naughty Klingon child, where can we find you? I swear you have spy cameras hidden in my house. (laughs) It's like, 
Every show recently, <laughs> you seem to know exactly what I've been doing since the last time we recorded. <laughs> But yeah, I when I'm when I'm not being naughty, I'm on Twitter. My username there is C Brian Jones. That's the letter C and Brian with a Y. And you can find me pretty much everywhere in social media under that username. And also, like you, Matthew, I have my own website, and that's cbrianjones.com. So very easy to find, and I have stuff there that's non-Trek. Believe it or not. I actually do have interests that extend beyond the world of Star Trek, so you can check that out. And also, elsewhere on the network, besides the Orb, you can find me every Friday on Warp Five with Kate Walsh, where we talk exclusively about Enterprise. And you'll find me every Tuesday on the Ready Room, where Matthew, you're there with me quite often. I'm joined by other hosts from all around Trek FM. And also special guests from the world of Star Trek, and we talk about all five live-action Star Trek series and the movies and other special topics. So go check that out as well. Also, Matthew, before we go, we would like to ask everyone to please support our sponsors for this week's show. Your support of our sponsors is very important for helping us bring this programming to you. First, there's Squarespace, the web's best hosting and CMS that makes it simple for you to create a beautiful blog, website, portfolio, online store, really anything you can imagine. Trek FM is built on Squarespace. So is my personal website, my company website. I build all my stuff there. I love it, and I know you will too. So go try it for yourself. Create your own space free for 14 days. You can use all the tools that Squarespace has to offer, and then when you sign up, you can get 10% off your lifetime purchase on new accounts by using our offer code Trek8. So again, go to squarespace.com, use offer code Trek8. You're gonna love it, and we thank Squarespace for their support of Literary Treks and Trek FM. Also, please visit trekfan.org. I love talking about Star Trek, Matthew. I know you do too. But if we just sit around and talk all the time, you know, we're never going to get to that Star Trek future. And at trekfan.org, you have a chance to collaborate with other fans to solve puzzles and complete real-life mission objectives. And along the way, you're going to win great prizes too. So turn your love for Star Trek into something that can help us all move toward that Star Trek future. Support us, support Trekfan by visiting trekfan.org. Solve that first puzzle and take the next step on your adventure. And we thank Trekfan for their support of the network as well. And lastly, if you would personally like to support the network and our programming, we have a way for you to do that as well. You can go to trek.fm/donate, and you'll find eight new alien-themed badges and art prints. And you know those badges are perfect for your shirt, for your bag, for your dress uniform. And they're 44 millimeter badges that have original illustration by Toba Ushi, who does most of the art that you see on our website. And those art prints are A5 size. They're much larger views of the aliens from the waist up. They're really, really beautiful work. And you can choose what you want. You can mix and match the badges and the art prints. There are different levels that you can choose from. And your contributions help us cover the costs of production, storage, and bandwidth that's needed to bring this programming to you every week. So please go check those out at trek.fm/donate. And we really appreciate your support of Trek FM. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, live long and read on. What do you call that light reading? To each his own, number one.